0: I'm David Matson, and this is Primetime 89, a chance for me to visit and talk story, check in and catch up with classmates from a generation ago, finding out how they're doing, where they are, how they got there, and what experiences they would had along the way. Wendy was that classmate who, just by hearing her voice, you knew she wasn't originally from Hawaii. Our circles of friends overlapped. So I knew her pretty well, I thought. But sitting with her and listening to her tell her story, I learned a lot about Wendy that I'd never known, including how it was that she came to Hawaii.
1: How are you today?
0: Good. You look nice.
1: (laughs) Thank you.
0: (sighs) Get the office.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I wish. (laughs) I have stuff I want to get done at work. I know that sounds crazy. It's like, you know, when you're in work in the office, you're like, God, I wish I was home. <laughs> and then now that you're home, you're like, man, I need to do this in the office.
0: <laughs> who we are today is inextricably linked to our experiences early in life. Wendy's grandparents were strong influencers who helped lay a positive foundation for who she is today.
1: Where did you grow up? So I was actually born in Pennsylvania. I was born in the same hospital my dad was born in, Hmm. because he was originally from York, Pennsylvania, which is this little tiny hospital right near Amish country. My dad was in the military. He was in the Air Force. That's how he met my mom in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you get out of the military, they send you back to wherever your husband marked you from, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we ended up in Pennsylvania until I was probably about five. And then we drove from Pennsylvania to California because he got a job with NASA and JPL in Pasadena. So we drove and then I was there until seventh grade when I came here, because they died when I was in sixth grade.
0: Oh, how did they pass
1: away? Yeah, that's how I got into Komemea because I, you Everybody had already been accepted. I literally got the call that I was accepted a week and a half before school started because oh. I got in on the orphan clause,
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. right? And so I got a full ride through everything. Wow. In my opinion, <laughs> that's part of the reason why I never got kicked out in eighth grade because I was acting out. I saw somebody once a week, all the way through the end of eighth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, they paid for all of that therapy.
2: Wow. It was covered under
1: everything. And when I say full ride, I mean, I had an allowance for bookstore for PE stuff. I mean, my meals, everything was covered. So that's why my grandparents never adopted me because Had they done that, Mm -hmm. besides the fact I would have lost the benefits I got from my parents, I would have lost that too. Okay. Yeah, so that's mm -hmm. how I ended up in school. We left California in June Mm -hmm. and then, and I was only allowed to bring a suitcase. I wasn't allowed to bring nothing else. And I moved in with my grandparents here and I started school in July I wasn't, I mean, I had cousins here. I mean, I used to come during the summers or whatever and stuff like, it's not like I didn't know my grandparents yeah. or anything, but I never lived with them either. Yeah. And so it was rough. You try being be the holiday girl going to wine school who look brown, but talk white. <laughs> it's rough. And then you're trying to adjust to your new life. You just left everything you know behind yeah. You had no say in what was happening to you. And David, I was horrible to my grandparents. Okay, mm-hmm. so if I cry, I'm sorry because it still is, it hurts. Mm-hmm. Okay, so seventh and most of eighth grade up until Christmas break, mm-hmm. oh, I struggled, David. I mean, I swore with you, I did everything I could to be bad because mm-hmm. I just figured, okay, you're going to send me back.
2: Mm-hmm
1: you know, I get to go back to my old life and my old school and my old friends. And so Christmas break of our eighth grade year, Mm -hmm. my grandparents gave me a one-way ticket to California. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any of the behind the scenes until I was way older. And um, I went to California and I stayed with my dad's parents. So it was actually my dad's real dad and then his stepmom because his real mom had passed I mean they in their 80s you know what I mean yeah and so I got there and I was so happy and I just had this image in my head on what life was gonna be like you know and this whole vacation and David it was nothing like it it was horrible that's the trip in my opinion that changed my life I never spoke to my grandparents after that once I flew home I had overheard a conversation that really changed everything. And I called Hawaii the next morning and I was telling my grandparents here, you bring me home or I am running away. I am not staying here. And they were freaking out. So, I mean, of course, every local family get family that live in California, right? Yeah. So my mom's side of the family came and got me. When I got off that plane, I straight up looked at my grandpa and I was like, I'm home. I never spoke to that side of the family ever again. And I don't care to. So my cousin reached out when I was in my 20s and they had left a message on the phone saying that they were in Hawaii and you know they were reaching out. and I've, So to this day, I still have not spoken to them.
0: Do you think your grandparents on your mom's side was aware of the dynamic on the other side, which is why they felt ultimately like they just had to let you go? And later.
1: they were trying to protect me. I mean, I, when you're a kid, David, all you care about is what's immediately in front of you and what is immediately going to affect you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that kid mentality, you could care less what's happening next week unless it's a school dance or a date with the boy or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It So when I got older, I had started to hear stories or, you know, like the adults were a little bit more loose about what they said because I was older. And so that was kind of how I found out. So my dad's side of the family wanted all the money, but they didn't want the kid with the money. They didn't want me. Right. My grandparents took me minus the money. They just were like, we just want the kid. We could care less about the estate. You know, whatever that is, we just want the kid. I can't believe that.
0: Sorry it, you have to go through or something like that.
1: But I've learned over time that I have the capability to compartmentalize my emotions. And I've had to from an early age. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I can like take that emotion and shove it in a box and put it away. I revisit that like 10 years down the line and deal with it. Yeah. Because... Yeah usually kids who have trauma when they're kids will always react to it. In my opinion, like kids, you know what I mean? It's not easy to take a childhood hurt and react to it as an adult who can think about it and analyze it. And you know, your first intention is that hurt takes you back to that spot in time. So yeah. you react that way. Yeah. So I'm no different. Yeah. yeah. When, when I tell you that whatever happened as a child, you memorize that vivid detail in color because I could walk you through that entire accident from beginning to end in detail I've never forgotten it I'm quite sure that those are the kind of memories that people say they can't remember it because they're so traumatized oh apparently I don't have that problem yeah I remember it all unfortunately but you know hence you put it in the box and you put it away yeah I don't think I've ever told anybody in school it's okay you love me now that's all that matters i do i really do that was a long time ago hence the therapy which (laughs) has helped tremendously yeah you know it's just like you never know what people are going through you really really don't and nine times out of ten most people not going to tell you always their real internal struggle you had to kind of Read between the lines and be able to. You know what I mean? I have issues. I know I have issues. I admit that. (laughs) (laughs) Would I change any of my past though, David? No, because I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have the people that are in my life now.
0: Wendy shares where her independent spirit came from and some memorable experiences from her early jobs.
1: I grew up going to Kauai because that's where my grandparents and my great grandparents, like they all were members, they went to church. Oh, wow. And so, Matt, every Sunday, God, I always got kicked out of Sunday school because I was the one that was always questioning everything in the Bible. Like, well, no, 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 but well, you said this here, but in the Bible here, it says that. So, how are you going to explain that? <laughs> So my grandma used to run the kitchen at Kwai Ha'o. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I'd go, for, he'd be like, oh, you need to go see your grandma. i get kicked out of class. <sighs> I'd, I'd walk in and my grandma would look at me like, yelling at me like, why are you not in Sunday school? I'm like, Uncle Richard kicked me out again. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma was like 4'11", little Hawaiian Chinese lady. I was so scared of her, I swear. For real. Because you got to understand. So I wasn't raised by my grandparents from young kid time. So it was a learning curve. And my grandparents never, ever laid a hand on me. Not once. Ever growing up. Mm -hmm. But man, my grandma gave me that look and I was scared. I'd be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, grandma. (laughs) (laughs) So my observation was that generation was Mm -hmm. all about acts of service. Mm -hmm. when there was a need you would jump in if the family needed something the whole Mm -hmm. family went even the church like my grandma ran the place and then my grandpa would chip in or help or find people or whatever I mean they did everything from the Sunday lunch after church every Sunday Mm -hmm. to the kamehameha luau that they used to have every year I mean it's interesting to watch and seeing them think back like wow we can learn a lot from that generation. I have definitely become both of them in some way, shape, or form.
0: Thinking back to high school, you know, how do you think classmates would remember you? You, know, Oh, yeah, Wendy, she's the one who
1: fill in the blank. Was loud. <laughs> you knew where I was on campus. I would like to just say I had a lot of energy that I was letting out. So there's one particular classmate. who He told me that I traumatized him. And I was like, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't even remember. Like at first when I heard the story, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's something I would do. I'm not going to lie. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't remember the incident he was saying. (laughs) Now it's kind of a good laugh. I think after he told me the story, I kind of started asking people like, "Was I a bully? Did I traumatize people?" <laughs> like, "Oh my god!" You know, when you're a kid, you don't. Know, of course, you know, and and it's not like I did it with cruel intention. Oh my! And I, I finally was like, "Okay, Wendy, just move on from it." But you're you're right. Like you hear some people's stories, and you're thinking, "God, my high school experience was so not that." Like, I hear some things and I'm thinking, God, where was I when that was happening? Or or you're like, really? But at the same time, I did my own share of craziness. But I'd like to just say as a disclosure that I am now older and more mature. (laughs) I am so glad we grew up without cell phones and social media. I think being a kid now is rough. Yeah, I, I I think we had a good upbringing, though. You know, it was... Um, me too. Simpler times. Simpler times was <laughs> still lots of fun. Math is not my strong suit at all. And so <laughs> every summer, my grandpa made me go to summer school. But <laughs> so I remember from our eighth grade year to our ninth grade summer, he made me take ALGE 1 during the summer. hmm I was the only incoming freshman in a class of like juniors and seniors oh. who were doing a refresh for them to take out too. <laughs> and my teacher was Mrs. Littlejohn.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> and so that's why she has never forgotten me cuz <laughs> <so laughs> I'm in this class and I mean when I'm saying I'm failing no, David, uh, there's not even words. And Miss Little John always graded on a curve. Oh. So, everybody <laughs> in my class loved me because <laughs> I brought the curve down. What happened was it moved too fast and then once you're behind on a summer school class, yeah, yeah, yeah. you lost the whole thing. <laughs> when my grade my grandpa was like like you didn't even get like a D. And I was like, "Don't make me do math during summer." <laughs> That's all I could think of. It, it was horrible. I took
0: <laughs> Well, we all have our strengths and what we're good at and what we're interested in. You know, after high school, we get wiser. We get you know more mature and all that. What are some of the things that
1: are different about you now? What are some of the things that are the same? Okay, well, we're definitely going with the we are wiser. Mm-hmm. We're we're going to we stick are. with that one. But the same, I mean, I'm still a little ADD. Those kind of things I think don't change. They develop, in my opinion. You learn how to use it more to your advantage. Mm-hmm. First, when you were a kid and it was like, sit down, stop fidgeting, concentrate. Back then was a little bit different. But I mean overall, I'm still social. I mean, of course, yeah. I think as I've gotten older. I try not to be as dramatic as I used to be when I was younger. That's what we love about you, Wendy. Well, you know, (laughs) drama tends to bring more drama. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to be (laughs) drama-free.
0: Wendy describes herself as a bossy organizer. And before I go on, I know what you're thinking. No, a bossy organizer? Not Wendy. Well, She talks about where she thinks she got it from.
1: I've done so many things. Man, I took every other door but the easy door. (laughs) You're trying to figure out who you are, what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I took the long, hard path because I didn't know what I wanted. I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be living life. Uh It's like I didn't have a career path in my brain. I mean, I remember I was... 15, and I had asked my grandparents, can I get a job? And they told me no. And so I did what Wendy would classically do. I went and got a job, had the interview, went down to the state of Hawaii and got the minors paperwork, <laughs> came home and told them, sign the paper. I already have a job. <laughs>
0: How did they feel about you doing that? I mean, were they proud of you? Were they reluctant? Did they relent?
1: No, you know, their only concern really was hours, like making sure. So in other words, like, how is it going to interfere with schoolwork? Mm-hmm. And then they signed the paper. They were fine with it. Cool. And so, yeah, I since, <laughs> I was already working in high school. My first official legal job was working at Burger King on Baratania. the one across from McDonald's, right by that. What is it? The Tongan Church. Um, right one. by the the Honolulu Academy of Arts. Is that what that one is? I have lots of memories from there. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only kid basically there. I usually work the night shift, uh-huh. and and so. <laughs> Because my thinking was I went out of the house at night and I want to be out as long as possible. (laughs) (laughs) So I worked with a bunch of Samoan and Tongan girls. And um, I will never forget it. One New Year's Eve, we ended up closing even earlier than we were supposed to because it was New Year's. Nobody was coming and getting burgers. Mm -hmm. And so we closed and they were like, all right, come on, Wendy. Your papa's not picking you up. Sorry, papa. You're going to hear the story now. Mm. Uh, and your papa not gonna come for another three hours because that's when we're supposed to be done. And one of their boyfriends came and picked us up in one of these big old barmer cars, and we went downtown and we went to Club Hubba Hubba. (laughs) And they they were like, okay, just walk in between, like one of the guys, like they just sit it in a line. And he's like, Oh, just keep walking. They're not gonna card you. Sure enough. And I was there at midnight <laughs> on <laughs> Hotel Street celebrating New Year's. And then like by 1 o'clock and like, like 12.30, they're like, all right, come on, get in the car. We got to take you back. Your papa's coming. <laughs> and then he picked me up. I mean, that was the kind of craziness I did. But I mean, I have did everything from like a messenger for a law firm. I've worked in a restaurant for like the... Can kind I of take an order kind of thing, you know? Lots of office work, I've been a teller. I mean, it took me forever to find something that kind of fits me. Yeah. And then where I'm like, oh my God, all my skills can actually kind of work in this area.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what, I, and after that, I ended up working our sophomore to junior year and junior to senior year. I worked explorations as a GA, so I was on campus. Oh, neat. And then, but it kind of worked out because I was, so I would stay overnight because I was an assistant DA, and then I'd have summer school. Part of that was my way of giving back because I remember going to explorations. Mm -hmm. I admit that job, that was the best. It was perfect. I lived on campus. Grandpa especially was pretty big on making sure that all of his girls were independent. You made sure that you could make your own money. You could do this. You could get around. You know, he was all for that. There was a time that I was like taking sewing classes because I wanted to learn how to sew. And so they found me a sewing class every Saturday. Then it was hula, choir. It could have been something from school. So I guess I've really been a joiner for a long time now that I think about it. It smells that way. I,
0: I see a pattern forming. So it makes yeah. a lot of sense that you are the way you are today.
1: I mean, I like to ball it all like the next person, you know? I was talking to somebody and we were talking about career and I was like, well, I never knew what I wanted to do. Probably because I really never found anything that could hold my 20 personalities and my ADD, you know what I mean? I told her, I go, but the job I'm not, I love, which is why I've been there so long. I don't necessarily know if it's a career, but I love my job. What is the job you do now?
0: And, and what's your full formal title?
1: I am a senior administrative assistant for the Hawaii Association of Realtors. We actually support every department, which is kind of nice because you learn bits and pieces about it all behind the scenes. So you see kind of how the overall operation happens for the organization. I've learned that I have a thing for accounting because I think finding one or two cents that's wrong is like a huge game for me. I really feel that my job has become a paper organizer. I don't know how to explain that. It's like I've got to sort through and put in piles or give to whatever or do something with. I really feel that that has become my job since covid I feel like I spent at least half my day doing that. So I've been there now for 13 years. Mm-hmm. I love it though. All my supervisors are women. Mm-hmm. So they kind of get when you're having just one of those days. Sure. So just, just sit at your desk, just hit the keyboard, make some noise, you know, but you know, <laughs> you know it's like, we all kind of know where everybody's strengths and weaknesses are and we, Mm-hmm. Tend to jump in and assist with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just like us. I mean, it's the whole office. I've been at some seriously drama out places. And to me, the no drama is the hugest fringe benefit I've ever had. So is it the teamwork and the camaraderie more so that that you like about your work? For instance, we try and do a convention every so many years. For the entire state, you know, for all of our members, that's over 12,000 members. Wow. And so we handle it all. You know, it takes a lot of work, a lot of coordination. It is definitely a teamwork effort. You know, the the job that you're doing right now, Mm -hmm.
0: what connection at all does it have to what you did in high school or what you were interested in high school or anything? What is that something?
1: Typing, because heaven forbid, if I never took typing, I'd be screwed. I'm glad I took accounting, which I think is why I realized that I enjoy accounting.
0: You said a little and while ago that you really didn't like math, but you love accounting. And I'm thinking accounting with all these numbers floating around. So so is, well, is this no, the puzzle part of it? The,
1: yeah, um, the it, it, it really of is. of the ledger. For me, it's a puzzle. It's like finding where the mistake is, and I mean, thank God somebody invented Excel, which is like my favorite program in the whole world. <laughs> I kind of like puzzles like that, but I don't necessarily need to know the circumference of the circle from here to the, <laughs> it takes me 10 steps to get to the middle of the circle. That's all I need to know. My grandpa was, you know, overload. Like <laughs> seriously, when we were picking classes for high school every year, He like hand wrote and charted out all the classes Like he had a four year plan for me. Wow. And then my mom and my grandma was the organizer. So it's like, I've become a bossy organizer.
0: Those are the origins of your being so good at organizing.
1: Oh my God. That was what (laughs) happened to me.
0: (laughs) How's the house hunting coming along?
1: Well, we have an open house this afternoon. We'll see how that goes. But I'm a little hesitant because it's a three-story walk-up. It's like if it was a first or second floor,
2: mm-hmm.
1: maybe I wouldn't even hesitate. But third floor, I don't know. What's the market in Hawaii right now? Is it, is it pretty tight? It is. And, you know, it is a seller's market right now. And, you know, with COVID and people realizing they can work from anywhere. Yeah. Well, why not buy, you know, in more sunny regions or warm regions? I already know, we're on an island, so inventory is already tight. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes the bidding war all of a sudden. Sure. Then Wendy had the bright idea that she decided, well, let's see if she can try and buy. I mean, it's just easier for me because it's going to be my first time ever buying property. You know, I've been in this field for 13 years. and It's different when you're offering support to our members, which are the realtors Mm -hmm. versus the role reversal. And now I'm the client Mm -hmm. dealing with the realtor. And it's like, you know, you start putting things together and you're like, oh, now I get it. It's a learning experience. And it's kind of nice to be a little full circle in the industry that I'm in. Life is kind of slowing down, which is nice. And it's due to COVID. You know, I, I'm trying to still convince my boss that I'm great at this new system. And I think that we should still work part time from home. And, you know, I mean, there's something to say where I'm a little bit more positive on my days home because I wake up at 755 and roll right in front of the camera at 8 a.m., you know, that's right. newscaster from the neck up. And, <laughs> you know, you tend to have a happier employee no traffic no line at the coffee machine well besides the fact that i don't have to get up at 5 a.m in the morning to go into the office now Mm -hmm. because a normal day for me is an hour and a half in and an hour and a half home ouch welcome to the west side so i gotta i gotta tell you this Kay, because you're a doctor so whether you believe my conspiracy theory or not, <laughs> okay, this has been an argument of mine for a while, okay, but so it came up again during COVID. So. You know, I took my first shot, I took my second shot, and everybody kept saying, well, you know, your second shot, you know, you're going to have all these symptoms. So I had Pfizer. Like, it didn't bother me at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But like I didn't have side effects, and like, it wasn't sick, I wasn't nauseous, I didn't have body ex- None of that. I went through my through my whole weekend like it was nothing, and so I'm talking to my best friend, and she tells me I'm um, well. Another person she knew, and she's a big girl too. Mm-hmm. She took it and she really didn't feel anything. And so you know, this is where my theory comes in. So let me start with, in my opinion,
0: okay, in <laughs> your opinion, do we know?
1: Especially when I'm sick and I want like cough medicine or something, and they give me the standard issued one. And then they tell you, oh, okay, this should last you seven days. And I'm like, this will last me three. And they'll be like, what? And I'm like, what you just gave me and all of my fluffiness, you give to somebody who's a buck 10. I I'm like, so how are you going to tell me that that same dose is gonna work exactly for me when there's twice as much as me? And they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, okay, three days later, I'm calling the doctor, so I need more. And, but okay, so that's my thing is I think that I'm only half COVID covered because the same dose you gave me, you gave to somebody who's a buck 10 and they almost died. You know what I mean? It's like they don't put into account the weight and, you know, mass variance in the dosage, but you cannot tell me that the same dose that works for you works for me. <laughs> so that's, that's my little theory. When did, okay? That's
0: cute, but uh did your arm hurt when you got the shots?
1: Just like when I got any other type of needle shot going up in my arm.
0: Like a punch, maybe like a little bruise feeling for a little while, so it hurt a little bit. A little
1: bit like when I went to like lift it or if I like jumped on the bed and hit it, it was like mm-hmm. ow. Maybe I have more fat right there. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, why didn't I experience anything? I I
0: think you're just a tough Hawaiian girl who's got a high tolerance for pain and for suffering, you know? So the way that it works, right, is it turns your body into a spike protein factory. You know, it gives those RNA things, goes into your cells, your cells kick out those proteins, and then your immune system sees them and and attacks them. And so the limit is your body itself. So if there's more of you, then there's more cells to actually take up those mRNA strands to make the proteins so that you'd be making more. And, you know, I'm I'm sure we'd see the, the same concentrations as somebody who's vaccinated as well. I'm not buying <laughs> it, you... I'm not buying
1: it. That's like saying, okay, I have a glass of milk and a gallon of milk, and I put the same amount of chocolate syrup in both. You cannot tell me that both can be equally chocolatey. That's oh, just not happening. <laughs>
0: Wendy, you're a tough girl, you've been tough as long as any, so that's, that's my explanation, in my opinion.
1: (laughs) 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 I'm telling you, in my opinion, the (laughs) life saver.
0: (laughs) So what do you do to unwind?
1: I either cook, I mean, I mean, because for me, cooking is, it is therapeutic for me, because you can look at instructions you ain't got to truly think. I've been going through this um, lettuce cup phase. That's my new one right now. Lettuce cup and Thai chili basil chicken. Ooh. You can do like a turkey or a pork or a beef ground and then you brown it and then it's a Chinese thing. So I threw a bunch of extra stuff like onions. I put shintake mushrooms. I put some carrots. Some people can put spots and you kind of do it with like a Oyster, hoisin sauce mixture. Oh, yeah. And then you buy butter lettuce. A thai chili, basil chicken in the lettuce cup, even. No, oh, I well, maybe I can try that. Well, because they're two yeah. different recipes. But hey, yeah,
2: okay, so I
1: have realized this. And let me give credit where credit's due. You know, if it wasn't for Lori forcing me to grow up and try more vegetables. Because uh-huh. she's trying to shove vegetables at me. I don't want vegetables. <laughs> You know, as I've gotten older, I find myself eating a lot more vegetable-driven dishes. Okay, so I admit that I have a tendency for getting a little like, angry and trafficked by dumb drivers. Okay. I've tried different things to keep me calm. You know, different, like, you know, trying to, like, do the usa. I even bought this round fluffy ball thing like to rub it to soothe me you know Uh except it had ball patches because I'm rubbing it so aggressively (laughs) and I have learned to drive with AC keep windows up because you know my mouth can still yell behind the glass
0: through the glass that does it ever go yeah so they
1: don't quite hear it I can't seem to control the hand gestures which you know is probably a dead giveaway sure but i've learned a new coping mechanism and i have become a huge fan of audiobooks oh so if somebody is reading to me Mm -hmm. i'm calmer i tend to be like yeah go ahead No, you go ahead. No problem. (laughs) You know, I just, I am a little bit kinder on the road. So I think I'm doing a a favor for the state of Hawaii on that one. But, Mm -hmm. you know, nowadays, I mean, seriously, I'm just like, uh, oh, I don't want to quite get to the office yet. I want to hear the next part of this chapter. You know, (laughs) It, 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 it has really helped me. So maybe that advice will help somebody else. I've listened to a lot more, um, audio biographies what are some of the good biographies that you listen to michelle obama's my next one after that was tina phase which is funny as hell (laughs) if i can't get vested in what is being spoken of or i can't relate then i tend to tune it out Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. god oh my god that sounds like high school you (laughs) want to teach me trig (laughs) i tuned you out (laughs) i'm not interested (laughs) here comes summer school for wendy (laughs) when i first started my job now they used to do these staff meetings that were like two and a half hour long like seriously everybody went over their section and (laughs) so they did it once a month I used to fall asleep in the staff meetings because like I pull on with like zoop, I would put some <laughs> and I tried to explain to him. It's not that I'm not interested in your area or what you're reporting. On. But you got like 20 minutes of my undivided attention. And if you haven't grabbed me by then, it's on. I'm going to, I can't help it. And so my boss would make me sit next to her in these meetings. Oh no! And she would, if it started to happen, she'd be under the table pinching my leg.
0: So she put you in the naughty chair, then right next to her. Kind
1: huh? of. Oh, it was just so hard because you know you try, like you walk into this meeting and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to everybody, and you sit down and you're ready, and then it starts to become the wah 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 wah. And so then I learned to take like a big bag of like maybe chips or popcorn or just something so that my hand was moving. So it would keep me up. I wasn't even hungry. But the minute I started to do the doughs and my boss knew because she would look at me and laugh and i am oh my God, don't fall asleep. Oh my God, keep your eyes open.
0: You know what? I think a lot of us are like that. I'm like that too. And can you believe that once I spoke so long that I bored myself?
1: Ah, David, not you.
0: Yes. Wendy shares her proudest accomplishment and what that means to her. Mm -hmm. What's the most meaningful thing
1: that you've done in your life so far? I've made it on my own by myself this long. Amen to that. I, I pay my own bills. I support myself. So like for me, by my own place, by myself, like, that's huge. Obviously, it's taken me almost 50 years to get to the point where like, all right, Wendy, you're buying your own place. This is completely on my own.
0: You're self-reliant. I think that that's a lot for anybody to feel a sense of satisfaction from. But I'll go a step further and I'll say that you give a lot too, mm-hmm. you know, and that is even more than just being able to take care of yourself, you know, props to you because you help make other
1: people's lives better. And so thank you for doing that. Oh, well, thank you. I realized as I've gotten older, the biggest motivating factor that started it was Mm -hmm. not as financially well off as some people. My time is what I can give of freely. Mm -hmm. So, and it's kind of nice because you meet new people and you're able to help. Like when we were doing the Relay for Life, you got to see the people that were receiving whatever help we were giving. That was actually a really good one. And then, you know, like all of our class stuff, I mean, goes without saying, getting to see everybody have a great time. I mean, I'm all for that. Of course. But I love it though. Uh I'm actually involved in Toastmasters. I've been involved 11 years.
0: What's Toastmasters?
1: It's something that helps people overcome or help, their fear of public speaking oh really yeah I've done that for we have a little club in our office that's why
0: you're perfect for helping people overcome their fears of public speaking
1: you know there are some times I think that I might get the pre-jitters but for the most part I just view it as talk story sesh where you're sharing your manao about whatever the topic may be people don't realize that public speaking is one of the number one phobias for a lot of people, like, yeah. and, and I get it. Be like, okay, well, wh- what am I worried about? What's gonna happen when you go through it in your head? For me, that way, it's kind of like, well, the first thing is, oh, they're gonna judge me, man. They're gonna judge you whether you speak or not. <laughs> <I know>. So <laughs> it don't matter. Get over that, you know. Yeah, that's like, right. That's doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, and when you get past that, it makes it a little bit easier.
0: You're turning 50 like we all are turning 50. What does that mean to you?
1: I'm not on the the clock countdown. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be 50. I'm not getting any extra perks except for a mail from AARP. You know, I'm not getting senior citizen discounts. I'm not, to me, it's not a big deal. And in all honesty, I don't feel 50. Thank God that I made it this long.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, Jesus.
0: Are you ever called auntie by people who are not related to you? Okay.
1: <laughs> I remember my first time being called auntie. I was caught off surprise. I had that same reaction, like, what are you calling auntie? Like, and then and then it hits you, like, oh my God, you're now anti status. So I work part-time bath and body, right? So, you know, they'll be like, oh, we're we gonna stock boxes. I go, oh no, no. You gonna stock boxes. I go, I'm own. I go, you and hire all these kids, okay? You never hire auntie for sling no boxes, okay? And like, I'll use it to my advantage. Like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> can I? Sure. Do I want to? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, go try this away for auntie, please. Well, babe, you can grab auntie one water or... I use it all the time. And I think it started a few years ago. I realized the power of the anti-status.
0: Where do you see yourself in the next 10 or 20 years?
1: So at the moment, the retirement plan is move to Texas, buy a little house, edit a little RV, and I'm just going to drive around our country and road trip it. And then, you know, I can always be like, hey, I'm going to be here on these dates. Come meet me. No need pay Hotel. No, you could cook your own food, you know. Yeah, it's not that I wouldn't love to travel abroad, but I haven't even seen my own country. You know, even during retirement, Mm -hmm. I would find little jobs or volunteer and something to help keep your brain engaged. Mm
2: -hmm. Because
1: I truly believe that when you stop being engaged in life, Mm Is when you're just kind of like ready to go, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I don't think you should ever feel that way. So
0: is there any philosophy or that you live
1: by? I I think one of the, the biggest things is if you're going to do something, you're going to do it well, Mm -hmm. and you're going to see it completely through. I see myself doing this more. So it's similar to, you know, treat those the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. But don't treat those that are less fortunate than you cruelly. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know their story. I mean, easy to judge, but you don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's always an explanation behind everything.
0: So compassion is important and consideration. Yeah,
1: Who knew, David? I went from being called a bully to compassionate. You know,
0: Wendy, I'm sure compassion was was there somewhere, you know, <laughs> deep down inside all along. You know, it just, it just took a little while for it to boil to the surface. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for carving some time out to do this.
1: Give my love to the so can, family.
0: I will. I will. Bye,
1: Jay. Thank, thank you. you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Primetime 89. I'd like to thank our guest, Wendy Brown, for taking the time to talk story with us. I'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together. Jamie Barbosa and Nicole Yoshimitsu, and Kaylee Quaro. And a special thank you to Drez, Dwayne Andres for the music, and Elizabeth Mattson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Matson. Be sure to like us and follow us at Primetime89Hawaii, where you can see photos of our guests and their stories. And subscribe to get the latest updates and news of upcoming episodes. And join us again with another classmate
2: on Primetime89.